This is not an account that was written to teach us how to and that we should go and beat our Goliaths. That's not what this is about. And I don't even know if we want that to be true anyway. This is not a story that teaches us to fight our Goliaths. This is what the Spirit is positioning us to do in this text. He is positioning us to put ourselves into the shoes of the army of God so that we can see the David who fought on our behalf, on everyone's behalf, to fight on behalf of the whole and to win. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, Go to hopeintiger.com. Well, we're going to get into a famous story here this morning. It's the story of David and Goliath. And I, I want to do a poll here this morning. Could you raise your hand for me if you ever either heard of this story or have heard this Bible account before? Yeah, I, I think it's everybody has at least heard of the story of David and Goliath. And I'm going to introduce this, this text to you this morning, and it's going to get kind of nerdy, so bear with me a little bit. To introduce David and Goliath to you, I want to ask you to remember another story that is very famous. It's the story of Little Red Riding Hood. In this story, and it's true of most stories, depending on where you place yourself and who you empathize with, whose shoes you put yourself into in the story, you, you could hear and receive very different things from the story. For example, with Little Red Riding Hood, if you put yourself in the shoes of Little Red, then this story is about an innocent little girl who gets preyed on by the world. And so the moral of the story that you receive from this is that you got to watch out for wolves. And you could, you could hear something very different from this story if you put yourself into the, into the shoes of the wolf, right? If you read the story from the perspective of the wolf, then, then this story becomes a cautionary tale and it speaks of the predatory nature of all of humanity. That all of us are wolves. It's a, it's a very, very different story that you hear. And, and the reason I'm telling you this is that the same is true of David and Goliath. Depending on who you empathize with, whose shoes you are filling as you read this account, you could hear very, very different things. But here's the key to unlocking this account. The Holy Spirit who inspired this account, who inspired the writer to write it in a specific way, has placed us in one particular place so that we can learn one particular thing from this account. And we're going to get into this here. This is the story of David and Goliath. You probably know the context here. Israel is going up against the Philistines. Their champions are going to face off and it's winner take all. The stakes are high. This is 1 Samuel chapter 17 verses 45 through 52. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. 
This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Sharaim road to Gath and Ekron. This is God's word. Now, if you are like me, then you have perhaps heard this particular account many times before. And so if you're like me, then you are looking for a fresh take on this account. And I was determined to give you that this week, and, and I was determined. So I went into my, my Hebrew Old Testament, and I got out my pickaxe so that I could go in there and mine out some, some beautiful gems to show you in the light of Sunday morning. And I also committed myself. I said, I'm going to go and I'm going to read so many commentaries on this to find as many perspectives as I can on this text. And, and i got to share something with you that... The most helpful commentary, the most helpful commentary for shedding a new light on this text and for seeing the biblical text in a new light was a commentary that I did not expect to be helpful. <laughs> I'll give you a couple hints. This is a commentary that is probably the most widely used commentary of the last 20 or so years in Christianity. It's a commentary that is widely accessible. Anybody can find it and use it on YouTube. And it's a commentary that's friendly for kids. Do you know which commentary I'm talking about? I know I'm being kind of misleading here, and so I'll give it to you. The commentary I'm talking about is a kid's show called Veggie Tales. <laughs> it's a kid's show where they have these characters who are played by vegetables, and they tell the stories of the Bible in a, in a silly kind of way. And this was the commentary that was most helpful for me for shedding new light on this biblical text. Because the Veggie Tales account, it, they make it all really rather trite in this account. You know, they have this guy, his name is Dave. And he's this little sliver of asparagus and he's got all these older brothers and he's got this inferiority complex because his brothers are always being mean to him. His dad is always leaving him out of stuff. And, and he just keeps saying over and over in the show, 
why can't I show everybody that little guys can do big things too? And finally, he gets his chance. He gets his chance to show up on the battlefield. He sees that, that the giant pickle is threatening God's people and nobody's doing anything about it. So he slings his sling and he bonks the pickle on the forehead with a stone. And the pickle kind of slumps over and everybody celebrates because it's over. And Dave, he finally has proved to everybody that little guys can do big things too. And you can tell, right? You can tell that the creators of the VeggieTales story, they made some artistic choices in the way they portrayed this event because, I mean, they, they made different choices than the Brothers Grimm would have made. Let's just say that. The Brothers Grimm, they didn't shy away from, from talking about violence and, and bloodshed. They, they talked about those things to, to teach about the truths of the world. And I think you remember from reading this text just a moment ago how much violence and, and gore there is in this text, right? This is not a VeggieTales kind of text. You got this, this nine-foot-tall guy named Goliath. And he's out there in front of God's people and he's taunting them. He's nine foot tall. His kind of physique it does not exist anymore in the world. There has been nobody in recorded medical history that has topped out at nine feet. But this guy did, and he's weighed down with a hundred pounds of, of swords and shields and armor. He is a physical specimen, and he is a mighty warrior. You can imagine what this must have been like for God's people. It's so simple, yet so difficult. All you got to do is beat this guy and you beat the whole army. But, but who's going to beat him? Goliath, he, he's out there for 40 days. And, and this is his pride and joy. He goes out there every day and he embeds himself into the psyche of this entire army. Little by little, he's embedding himself in there, convincing them that the battle is hopeless. Nobody could possibly beat him. He's intimidating them, he is threatening them, and that is why we still call things that are huge and intimidating and threatening Goliaths today. Because we do all still have our Goliaths. We do. I, I do. I have my Goliaths. We all do. We all have our stresses. We all have our anxieties. We all have our very real worries that keep us up late at night and wake us up early in the morning that turn our hearts and minds sour. These are our Goliaths. You know the things that I'm talking about. These are our Goliaths. I'm talking about work stresses and health scares and depressions and anxieties that we think are just going to get out of control. I'm talking about money when it seems like it's not going to stretch. I'm talking about marriages that are holding on by a thread. I'm talking about the kinds of deep grief that, that seem like they are never going to go away. These are Goliaths. Whatever it might be in your life that, that threatens your hope and your joy and your peace, those are our Goliaths. These are our, our, our Goliaths that embed themselves little by little in our psyches, convincing us that the battle is hopeless. 
And what do we normally do with our Goliaths, right? We normally self-medicate, try and convince ourselves that the Goliaths aren't there. We, we eat too much, we drink too much, we, we inundate ourselves with an unending amount of TV so that we can shut Goliath out even just for a little bit. We do these things because maybe, we, maybe if we don't provoke Goliath anymore, maybe he won't attack us. Maybe that's how we can score some peace. You know, that's what the Israelite army did for 40 days. For 40 days, Goliath was out there taunting, challenging them to fight. And for 40 days, every single one of them cowered. Not one of them stood up and was bold. They all cowered. I think that's really disappointing to us. I think that's really disappointing to us when we read a Bible text about God's people and we see God's people cowering in the dust. You kind of wish that, that somebody, maybe Saul, Israel's king, you kind of wish that he would go out there and he would pull a brave heart or that he would pull a, a king from the Lord of the Rings and he would go out there and he would inspire his people. You wish that he would get up and do that, but nobody does. They're all cowering, and I think that's really disappointing for us. And because it's so disappointing, we never want to put ourselves in those shoes. In the shoes of those who are cowering. And that's why I think it is so, so, so attractive to us to put ourselves into the shoes of David. into the shoes of the, the hero. The shoes of, of the one who came out of nowhere and pulled off the impossible. You know, it's so attractive to do that. We all want to be the hero in our lives. We all want to be our own salvation deep down. This, is, this becomes a really spiritual thing, right? It becomes a really big part of Christianity. There's, there's actually... A, a quite famous Christian pastor and writer, his name is Max Lucado. He is one of many who has written a book like this. He wrote a book based on this account by Dave, of David and Goliath. And the premise of the book is that he wants to position you as the giant killer. And here's a quote from his book. He says, The God who made a miracle out of David stands ready to make a miracle out of you. And our hearts love to hear that because we are so aware of the Goliaths that we face and we so want to hear that we have it in us and we have a God who's going to support us so that we can go and conquer our Goliaths. But this is what I want to show you today. That's not where the Spirit positions us. In this account, you can notice in, this in the history so that you can see why I'm going where I'm going today. This is not an account that was written to teach us how to and that we should go and beat our Goliaths. That's not what this is about. 
And I don't even know if we want that to be true anyway. This is not a story that teaches us to fight our Goliath. This is what the Spirit is positioning us to do in this text. He is positioning us to put ourselves into the shoes of the army of God. So that we can see the David who fought on our behalf, on everyone's behalf. This is an account that that positions us so that we can see the man from Bethlehem who shows up out of nowhere to fight on behalf of the whole and to win. And it's the highest stakes. We know this, right? It's the highest stake. If David beats Goliath, then the Philistines are defeated. But if David loses, right? If David loses, then Israel becomes the slaves of the Philistines. And the promise of the Savior connected to Israel is gone. And so the stakes are high here, right? And so we see our our hero David, we are positioned, standing behind him, watching this happen. And we see David, he's running towards Goliath. The narrator includes that. He says he's running towards Goliath. And he reaches into his bag, he grabs a stone, and he slings this stone. And then the narrator, he moves everything into slow motion so that we can see every detail. By the way, this is where the account is going to diverge in a huge way from Veggie Tales. So just be ready for that. David slings his sling, it flies through the air, and it sinks. That's what the narrator says. It sinks into Goliath's forehead. He moves that into slow motion so that we can see every gory detail. It's like you're watching it in 8K on a 100-inch TV screen. That stone, it sinks into Goliath's forehead and he falls face down onto the ground. He is dead. And David is victorious. The one who wasn't even on the scene to begin with, he wins. The man from Bethlehem, hint, hint, the man from Bethlehem is victorious. And here comes the gruesome part. It is gruesome. You can't get around that fact. David, he comes and he stands over Goliath. And he pries that massive sword out of the sheath of Goliath and he shish kebabs the guy and cuts his head off. And I know some of you are thinking like, Pastor, I kind of wish you had stuck with a little bit more of a VeggieTales kind of story that's a lot of gore. But, but I'm sharing this with you because when the Holy Spirit inspires that something be written down, he does not inspire superfluous details. I'm saying that this is not gore for the sake of having more gore. This is gore for the sake of us seeing in vivid detail that the Goliath is dead. This is is for our sake so that we can see David standing with his foot on the chest of Goliath holding up his head so that we can see nobody ever comes back from that. Goliath is gone. All he could do was talk. He is defeated. And I'm hoping that you're seeing in this account that this isn't just an account uh, of history. 
that includes a guy named Goliath who was really big and a guy named David who was smaller than him. I'm hoping that you're starting to see that this is parallel to a spiritual account that is the whole Bible. I'm hoping that you're seeing that this is a spiritual account of the Goliath that all of us face. His name is Satan. And he has been out there on the battlefield for our lives doing his worst. He's been taunting us. He's been threatening us. He has been embedding himself in our psyches, convincing us that the battle is hopeless. And you know this, that the battle would have been hopeless if it weren't for the man from Bethlehem. The man from Bethlehem who stepped in to fight for us. Who stepped in and spoke on our behalf and he said, You will not threaten my people. You will not steal away their peace. You will not steal away their hope and their joy. I'm not going to let it happen anymore. My people will not be intimidated. And so this man from Bethlehem, he steps out onto the battlefield to face Satan for us. And that battle, it happened on the cross. It was the battle to end all spiritual battles. And instead of hurling a stone at the devil, Jesus hurled himself. And he sank. He sank under death. He sank under sin. He sank down into hell to proclaim his victory. And he rose on, from the dead on the third day. And you know what he did when he rose from the dead? He rose to hold up for us the decapitated head of the devil. He wanted to show us in all of that de detail, look, he's dead. Death is dead. No one comes back from this. He's got no power over you. And the Spirit, he wants you to see that in the most perfect way that it's over, that Goliath is dead. So that you can understand this about your story. That your Goliaths are defeated. Jesus beat them. They're all dead. You can understand that, and, and at the same time, you can understand that, that it's going to feel in this life like our Goliaths are still huge and intimidating and threatening. There are still going to be those things that want to keep us up late and wake us up early and hurt our hearts and our minds. But in those moments, because of Jesus, this is what you get to do. You get to go out onto that battlefield and preach at your Goliath and say to your Goliath of fear, you're all bark and no bite. Jesus has removed your teeth. All you can do is talk. You can't hurt me. And you can speak to your Goliath of anxiety. And you can preach the gospel to him. 
and say, you have no presence in my future because I know what's coming for me and it's life in Jesus. And you get to preach to all of your Goliaths and you get to share with them, you've got nothing on me because my Jesus has defeated you forever. And then you get to preach the gospel to yourself. And remind yourself, you have hope. Because Jesus has redeemed you. And you have peace. Because you know that you have a life in heaven coming for you. And you have joy. Because Jesus has risen from the dead so that you also will rise. You can remind yourself of that gospel promise until you're ready to stand up and go forth boldly and fight for Jesus. Did you notice that this is how this text ended? The soldiers of Israel, they, they got up and they fought. After they had seen that the battle was already won, they got up and fought and they won. And that's what we get to do. Maybe you're ready for that. Maybe, maybe you're not right, quite ready for that yet. In our lives, because we live in a world of sin, we need to work through that sin and the Spirit helps us through that through his word, through his people. He helps you work through our fears of death and of failure, of success, of being alone, of, of the wrath of God. I don't know what your fear is, but I do know what you do about it. You remember God's son. You remember God's son, the man from Bethlehem who fought your battle for you and won. You remember this man from Bethlehem who rescued you from a life that could only end in death. You look at him, you see him, and you don't look away. You look at him and you see him until you feel your hope rising and you see him until you can see that all of your giants have been defeated by Jesus then you can get up and you can surge forward in your life because you know that Jesus is already now in a perfect position of victory over all of your Goliaths thanks be to God